Hi everyone and welcome to this podcast on the CDE and private practice, setting up your clinic. My name is Jan and I'll be your host today. Today I'm very pleased to have an an old colleague, Peter Tauschman, to take us through this very important aspect of private practice and I'm sure it will be invaluable to many CDEs. Peter has a wealth of experience when it comes to teaching people about diabetes and self-management and she is passionate about private practice. In 2003, she established Brisbane Diabetes Education Services and in 2015 was endorsed as a nurse practitioner specialising in diabetes and chronic disease. As a CDE and diabetes nurse practitioner, Peter aims to work collaboratively between all sectors of the health community as a senior nursing clinician while maintaining her focus on the care of people with diabetes in the primary care sector. Hello, Peter. It's lovely to catch up with you once again, and thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm great. Thanks, Jan. It's so lovely to speak with you, and thanks for inviting me to contribute to this ADEA podcast. Pleasure. So today, as, as we I just mentioned, we'll be extracting as much knowledge as we can from you in your 20 plus years of experience. And so to begin with, where do CDE start when it comes to setting up private practice? Can you take us through the first few steps, perhaps? Well, I think for me, the first thing to consider is why you're even thinking about exploring the world of private practice and what is going to motivate you to continue on and push through on those really tough days. Speaking for myself, I felt that I'd done all that I could in my hospital-based diabetes role. I realised that I loved the work that I was doing, but there was so much more that I wanted to achieve and it just wasn't possible in that role. And I think really this is the most important step of all. If you don't absolutely love diabetes education, then private practice can be a very challenging pathway. But once you've decided that this is the way you want to go, that you absolutely love diabetes education and you can't see yourself doing anything else, I suggest you make a plan. Start with a scrap of paper and brainstorm all of your ideas. Just jot them all down. Then you can refine those ideas and develop your first business plan, which will include basic things like where the clinic is going to be, how you will find customers and who's going to refer them to you. You might find a needs assessment helpful in trying to determine the demand in your area and where that demand will be. Once all of those ideas are on paper, you can seek other professionals to support you, perhaps an accountant or a lawyer. You could also consider entering into a mentoring arrangement with a CDE in private practice via the ADEA mentoring pathway, and that would contribute to your recredentialing as well as your business potential. Great. Thank you for that. So what are some of the tools and equipment that CDEs would need when setting up a private clinic? And is this affected by their primary discipline, for example? Yeah, the primary discipline is a really important consideration. As a nurse, CDE, my tools of the trade are quite different from a podiatrist, for example. You're effectively augmenting your existing role with diabetes education. If you're already working as a CDE and moving from that into private practice, then the equipment you need is similar to your current workplace, and some of it is quite obvious. Devices for injections, pen needles, blood glucose meters, and patient education materials. Start gathering those tools for your private practice. By networking with your pharmaceutical reps, they're a wonderful support and a wonderful resource for you when you're starting out. 
So how does working in primary care setting as a CDE differ from working with an endocrinologist, for example? And how does one decide where to begin their clinic? That's a really interesting question, Jan, and I suspect everybody's experience will be slightly different. The choice of how to deploy your own CDE skill set is going to be personal. I have always been driven to deliver a wide range of services, particularly in the technology space, but I'm not a paediatric CDE, so I don't teach I don't seek that type of referral. I have been a paediatric registered nurse, but I don't have the experience in diabetes education. I'm also aware of CDEs who care only for people with type 2 diabetes and others who specialise in insulin pump therapy, and that forms the primary part of their business. Uh, It's a niche, as it were. Mm -hmm. I think the main difference is proximity to the doctors that I work with. When I work in an endocrinologist's rooms, the relationship we build is a valuable tool for learning as well as for clinical care. It allows us to refine our patient goals and to speak the same language when it comes to disseminating information. However, this is true for any doctor I work closely with, not just the endocrinologists. I think part of the way to answer this question is the needs assessment. Once you really start to develop that plan and and burrow down into the need in the community, you're going to start to identify things that you haven't thought of. It's as though you need to get some ideas out onto paper to make room for new ones. You really need to be thinking about your strengths and your interests and work from there. You don't need to be able to deliver a, a gold star service from the first day, but you do need to be good at what you're good at so that you can maintain your accountability. Ask people whether you currently work with whether they need the skills that you have. Go to the local diabetes meetings, maybe your primary health network. Introduce yourself to attendees, including the speaker and the sales team that are sponsoring the meeting. And make sure you have cards with you all the time. Just be open to opportunity. That's always been something that I've tried to do. I I love walking through open doors and I love challenging myself. My referrals come from a really wide geographic area, and that's probably because I've been working in private practice for a long time. I've never met many of the doctors who refer to me, uh, but my referral database includes over 250 doctors, and they come from all sorts of disciplines, endocrinologists, substitutions, geriatricians, uh, general medicine physicians, and general practitioners. I think I see more newly diagnosed type 2 diabetes via GP referrals, but I recently reviewed my patient statistics and about 45 to 50% of my clients have type 1 diabetes. So moving on a step, can you take us through the billing process in private practice and what do CDEs need for claiming through Medicare, DVA, private health, NDIS, etc.? Well, the first thing you need is a Medicare provider number and access to this is one of the benefits of being a credentialed diabetes educator. The Services Australia website is where you'll find all of the Medicare forms that you'll need to apply. Provider numbers are site-specific and they allow you to access rebates and bulk billing for both Medicare and DVA. I personally have about 12 provider numbers uh, based on the number of locations that I visit, so they can add up. The most common ways to bill are either through bulk billing or private billing. In fact, I don't really know of any other way to do it. If you bulk bill, you're going to be accepting 75% of the schedule fee that's set by Medicare. If you want to bill privately, then you set your own fees and clients will access their Medicare rebate via your receipts. Medicare has quite specific requirements for those receipts and that's outlined on the Services Australia website. 
private health insurance is a little more complicated. I tend to ask my clients to contact their own funds regarding their policy inclusions. There are simply too many funds and too many policies in Australia for me to even attempt to keep up. If your primary discipline is in allied health, then most health funds will already recognise your services and that will come under extras cover. For nurse CDEs, it's a little less straightforward as many funds don't recognise nursing services in their fee schedules. Each fund is different and there are literally dozens of policies across Australia and over 30 funds. If you're wanting to really look at what those uh, funds are, then you can go to the PHIO website which is the Private Health Insurance Industry Ombudsman website. It's an independent government website, which includes a big report called the State of the Funds, which is done every couple of years. And in that report, you'll find all of the funds and all of their offerings, including the open funds and also the closed industry funds. Fantastic resource, that one. Uh, for the NDIS, diabetes is not considered a disability. So when you're engaging with NDIS, any diabetes-related service must primarily be of benefit to the, to the disability itself. Prior approval is needed from the client's plan manager before a CDE can access NDIS funding. The funding can be provided as a contractor or as an authorised NDIS provider. Personally, I use the contractor pathway. I haven't pursued provider status with NDIS because I found it to be somewhat onerous for me. Uh, there is a cost attached to it. Uh, and I felt that I wouldn't recoup that cost easily um, based on the number of current NDIS clients I have and the fact that diabetes isn't really considered an ND a disability. Uh, so I've chosen to work as a contractor and that seems to work well for me. Uh, NDIS uh, plan managers seem to find me and ask me to contribute and so that's the way that I've chosen to leave it. But you may have a, a, a large area of NDIS clients where you may feel that becoming an NDIS provider is worth your while and I suggest you go to the NDIS website to find out how to do that. The initial question that you asked me, Jan, related to the billing process, which I don't know that I've really addressed. Uh, during the first few years of my private practice, I operated a cash-only business and that worked really well for me. Now, remember, this was, you know, 2003, 2004, uh, when, you know, things were very different in the private practice space. And also yeah. the taxation requirements were very different too. So operating a cash business worked well for me with the blessing of my accountant. And if post-terminal was the next step for me, uh, I used one from a bank for many years. That allowed me to bill Medicare directly and also to take payments. Practice management software also includes billing systems to make it easier, and they often integrate with accounting software. Um, things such as MyOB, for example, will often integrate with Best Practice or Medical Director and many of the other programs that are out there. I've just got a couple of extra tips for you on this subject. Don't pay for an FPOS terminal with high caps if you're a nurse CDE, because CDEs do not have access to high caps. Now, if you're not sure what, what I mean by that, it's one of the rebating pathways for private health insurance. Mm. Uh, because CDEs aren't recognised by high caps, there's no point in paying for that extra uh, part of your FPOS system. It's you're you're looking for an FPOS system where you can submit your Medicare and your DVA claims and then also take cash payments or through credit cards in the FPOS system. 
My next tip is that you can submit your Medicare and DVA claims for bulk billing via the Health Professionals Online Services website at absolutely no cost. And finally, consider having a separate business banking account so that you can easily give people your BSB and your account number for direct debits. And it also makes it much easier to keep track of your income and expenses easily. It doesn't have to be a dedicated business banking account, but you want a banking account for your business. So I would definitely recommend that earlier rather than later. Thanks for that, Peter. That, it's, a, it's a complex area and interesting. Okay, so setting up a private clinic would require, I guess, a lot of hard work to get your name and services out there for doctors to refer. So how do you build up your referral base and how do you motivate yourself? Yeah, good question. Uh, part of the answer to the question can be found in developing a needs assessment, I think. And the other part is very much about loving what you do. Consider mm. your in your interests. Ask people you know whether they need the skills that you have. Go to your local diabetes meetings and introduce yourself to attendees and make sure you have cards. I said, I said some of this before. I always enjoyed that networking aspect of starting my business and it was never really a strategy for business growth for me. It was a beneficial side effect of doing that networking. Um, mm. Other say go and sit down with the potential referring doctors in your area. I've found that to be quite hit and miss for me in the past. That could be me, I don't know. Um, but I haven't <laughs> found that's been successful. So, yes, yeah, so look, that, that would be my main advice. The motivation can be difficult to go into a practice and to sit down with a group of people that you don't know and try to sell yourself. Until you've done it, you don't realise just how challenging it can be. You really need to gird your loins. Um, I would recommend if, if you can, you really do, Jan. Mm, I can <laughs> um, imagine. Yeah, I'd recommend you try and tack on to, you know, your pharmaceutical reps, develop relationships. They might be going out to a practice that's doing a lunch and they might invite you along. And that can be a really good way to have just a little bit of shelter from those very vulnerable feelings that you might have. Thank you for that. So how do you uh, structure your consults in terms of time and content? Structuring clinic hours can be really challenging. The way that works for me is that I basically run two, or two lengths of appointments, standard appointments, if you like. Uh, any new client is asked to book a long appointment so that I can complete that initial assessment um, of their diabetes self-management. I can identify their priorities and we can develop a plan. That then allows me to plan the time needed for future consultations and organise timely appointments. Any client that hasn't seen me for more than 12 months is asked to make a longer appointment for assessment and annual review. And I guess the other group of people are those who need specialised training. And I would definitely use that assessment process to identify that we might need two hours or three hours to do some insulin pump training, for example. Okay, thank you for that. So let's talk about um, private fees. There is no guidance out there about what to charge for private consults. So how do you arrive at a set amount for that? Yeah, you're, you're right. There's no recommended fee schedule for CDEs. And the answer to this question is very much influenced by the service you're providing, the cost to provide that service and the demand in your area. Nurses are notoriously bad at assessing their value. So I recommend you see an accountant who can help you to understand the cost of doing business. Ultimately, though, 
you need to understand whether your personal fee schedule will be acceptable to those who are referring to you. And in my experience, that makes a massive difference. If that schedule is not acceptable to the referring doctor, they won't be interested in, in accessing your services. Your accountant may recommend you charge a couple of hundred dollars an hour, but if the local hospital in your area has a great diabetes service and there's no cost attached to it, you probably will be overlooked. Uh, a needs assessment can help you to explore that demand and supply in the area. So again, I, I keep talking about the needs assessment and it doesn't have to be a formal document. It's a thinking tool for you. I've developed my own fee schedule and most of my consultations are either initial or subsequent consultations. I also have an hourly fee for longer services, such as technology, insulin pump training. And then I also have a fee for failure to attend appointments. Mm. My fee schedule promotes consistency for me and it keeps me on track when people have unusual requests. So I'm not that nurse who forgets that she has value. Sounds like a good program to me. So can you take us through a day in your clinics? I mean, how do you set up, start your day, and how do you structure your hours? Mm, my clinic day usually starts the day before, or maybe a couple of days before, depending on my week. I check my calendar while I'm in my office at home. I review my files. I read new referrals, update notes, gather supplies. I, I'm a list maker, so, you know, I've got to go into my storeroom and get X number of blood glucose meters and a couple of 0.5-unit pens and, and things like that. All of my appointments are confirmed by SMS, which I found reduces the failure to attend rates. On the day of clinic, I aim to arrive about 30 minutes early. I check the room, I unpack, set up the laptop, say hello to my colleagues, check emails, phone messages, and generally spend some time making my space clean and tidy and ready for the day. I've learned for me that two-hour sessions works best for my concentration, and it also helps me to stay on time if someone's running late, and that happens almost every day. Appointments are either initial or they're subsequent, and they're designed to fit within my two-hour sessions. After I've done a full day of work, I've got to take care of the admin, and that does include billing and correspondence. I do try to do as much as I can during the day, but if you're having a busy day and your head is really full, actually sometimes it's more important to take a break than it is to take care of the admin. And that means that I have to do some of my admin at, in the office at home. So my day at work isn't actually a day. It's probably stretched over over a couple of days or three days to tick all of the boxes that I need to tick to do things properly. Okay. So, yes, only being in business for yourself can be taking a lot of time. I can appreciate. So... After all your years in private practice, would you encourage other CBEs to venture into this space? And if so, what sort of tips would you give CBEs now that you can look back on your journey? Yeah, I've found private practice incredibly fulfilling. And, you know, reflecting on what you just said, I've probably never worked harder in my life, but <laughs> I'm doing it. It's true, but I'm doing it for me and I'm doing it for a sense of satisfaction that I can't get anywhere else. I've done some amazing and interesting things over the years, but I don't think I'd have been able to do if I was working at a hospital or for someone else, for example. I just took a big chance on myself and I saved a whole lot of money before I gave it a go. 
Uh, when I started working for myself, the idea of a CDE working in private practice is new. It probably isn't so much now. And I do think that what we understand, what, sorry, what we do is far better understood. Be prepared, be prepared to earn money in other ways for a few years because you might have shortfalls. Um, I'm fortunate as a nurse that I had my nursing to fall back on. Uh, and I did all sorts of interesting things. I did some clinical support work with an insulin pump company. I facilitated nursing students and I worked on a number of different projects in primary care. And all of that has contributed to my overall knowledge of business in general and working for private practice. Well, thanks, Peter. That's been fascinating. And I really do thank you once again for, for your time. And I know in being in private practice, money, seeing patients is income and you're only having a nice chat with us today but thank you so much it really has been great to talk to you thanks jen and thank you to those of you listening for taking the time to listen to this podcast and so to obtain cpd credits for the podcast please go to the ada learning management system at learning.adea.com.au and complete a feedback evaluation And so until next time, thank you and goodbye.